Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this opportunity we have to come together and to worship. We ask you to guide and lead us as we look at your word and show us what you would have us to see from all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're starting the book of 1 Kings. As we do with every new book, we'll give you the uh, overview of the book. The author of this book is unknown, <laughs> um, probably because it's compiled over many, many writings of everything. In, in the Hebrew Bible, the books of First and Second King are one book. They're not multiple books like they are for us. And a matter of fact, in the original, it was called third, the third book of Kings because First and Second Samuel was First Kings and Second Kings. And so this would be in the Hebrew Bible, Third Kings. <laughs> and uh, it was written approximately 15, oh, oh, on the period of 1550 B.C. on the topics. Uh, it covers the history of Solomon, the kings of Israel, and the kings of Judah. And it is continued in what we call Second Kings, which will cover the, king, the kings from there. It has two major parts. The first part is the first 11 chapters, which is all Solomon. What? All Solomon. Okay. It's all about Solomon. And then we have in the last uh, 11 chapters, we have the, king, Israel, uh, the kings of Judah from Rehoboam to Jehoshaphat and of Israel from Jeroboam to Ahaziah. And there's two major characters throughout the whole book. Uh, one is Solomon, who has 11 chapters all of himself, and Elijah, who has five cha uh, four chapters. That's all. He's well known, but all he has is four chapters. Uh, and we have lots of stories about him. So we have an outline of it. Uh, we see the death of David in chapters 1 and 2. We see the wisdom of Solomon in chapters 3 and 4. And we see the building of the temple in chapters 5 and 6. We see the splendor of Solomon's court in, in chapter 7. And in chapters 8 through 10, we see the wealth, and, uh, the wealth of Solomon and this visit from the Queen of Sheba. Uh, and then on chapters 11, we see the, the luxury, sensuality, and apostasy, and enemies come in that brings the downfall of Solomon. And in chapter 12, we see the start of Rehoboam's reign, and then from chapter 12 through 22, we see two sets of history. This is the overview of the book. Mostly history, some of it very interesting, some of it not so interesting. Uh, but there's a lot of history in it, lots of activities going on, lots of stories going on. Uh, we'll see the, the story of Elijah, and he is going to start his reign, and uh, start his position as prophet. Uh, and he is a prophet to the northern kingdoms, the kingdoms of Israel. So that is our overview of this book. Uh, it is a fun book in many cases. It can be uh, draggy at certain places because all we get is a couple of small quick notices about somebody's life, and then we move on. We will cover 30 years in, in three or four verses sometimes, and sometimes we'll take 40 years like in Solomon's and over 12 chapters. <laughs> but even 12 chapters for 40 years is not a long uh, heavy-duty coverage. So starting in chapter 1, Verse 1, 
Now King David was old and stricken in years, and they covered him with claws, but he got no, no heat. Therefore his servant said unto him, Let there be sought for my lord a, the king, a young virgin, and let her stand before the king, and let her, let her cherish him, and let her lie in your bosom, that the lord the king may get heat. So they sought for a fair damsel throughout all the coast of Israel, and found Abishag the Shulamite, and brought her to the king. And the damsel was very fair, and cherished the king, and ministered unto him, but the king knew her not. So here we have the waning days of David. And it starts out with David was old and stricken in years, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing. It says that he had attained years. And we know that he reigned for 40 years, and that he was four, uh, 30 years old when he started his reign. So at this point in time, he's about 70 years old, give or take a, give, give or take a year. But uh, uh, he, so he is there. And we do not know when I say give or take because we know that he's going to reign for 40 years, but we, he's going to pick Solomon to co-reign with him. So we don't know if this is he had 40 years all by himself or that 40 years included the, the, co, the co-regency with Solomon. So, and we don't know if he lived past that. You know, when Solomon took over, we don't know if he just stepped down and, and they, they stopped his reign. So there's really, we know he's somewhere in his 70s or really darn close at this point. And uh, it says, and they covered him with clothes and he got no heat. He was cold. Uh, and that was kind of an interesting, now, the heat here has a very interesting thing though because it could also talk about physical heat or emotional heat. I'll leave it, leave it at that. We don't know for, for where it's at on this. But it appears that at the end of his life, David is now bedridden by the way they, the way they are talking here. Uh, they're covering him, they're keeping him warm, and we're going to see this whole chapter. He doesn't even get out of the bed as we go through this chapter. Uh, he doesn't get out of the bed. They find him in his room all the time. So they decided they were going to go find him a young woman to stand before him and to cherish him or minister to him, take care of him, service him, benefit, uh, however you want to take that. You know, she was to take care of all of his needs. And it had to be a young woman. <laughs> and it says, and she will lay in your bosom. All right. So it, she was to get in bed with him and keep him warm, basically. Uh, so this is, this is what was going on here. And, they, and then it says, they sought throughout all the coast, and they found Abishag the Shulamite and brought her to the king. This was reminiscent of later years when Esther is found to be, be queen. They searched the entire nation. You know, in her case, she had to go through a huge, huge beauty contest and everything. But they're going out to find somebody who is just perfect. Now, what this perfect is, we don't know. They were looking for a, a fair da- damsel, a v- beautiful woman probably with the right attitude because she's supposed to serve the king. So what, what all they were looking at, we don't know. But they searched all of Israel to find her from the coast, throughout all the coast of Israel, and they found Abishag the Shulamite and brought her into David. And it says in the next verse, and the damsel was very fair. All right? So she wasn't... 
you know, she was, you know, kind of what we'd want to say here is she was very beautiful. Very beautiful. They found, they wanted David to be impressed with whoever was in his, in his presence. <laughs> and she was to spend all of her time there with him. Oh, he has an eye for the ladies, and I'm sure even at 70-ish, 70-ish, he probably still has an eye for the ladies. Uh, can't do anything with them, but he has an eye for them. And it was taken on by Sam, uh, Solomon in, in, uh, at a much higher level. Uh, because David only has 21 sons through his, through his uh, five or six wives. So, I mean, he's, you know, Solomon goes a little bit overboard. Uh, but so this person is brought in, she's very beautiful, and it says she shares the king and ministered unto him, and it very clearly says the king knew her not, did not have sex, sexual relationship with her, even though she climbed into bed, kept him warm, nothing happened. He's seven, a 70-year-old man. <laughs> uh, did not know her. And, and that is a, just a euphemism in the King James for... They had no sexual relationships, as most of the new versions say, because that's what it actually means. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him in any manner in saying, why have you done so? And he was a very goodly man, and his mom, mother bare him after Absalom. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zuriai, and with Abathar, the priest. And they followed Adonijah, helped him. But Zadok, the priest, and Benai, the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei, and Rei, and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zeheroth, which is by the in, in Rogel, and called on his brethren and the king's sons and all the men of Judah and the king's servants. But Nathan the prophet and Benai and the mighty men and Solomon and his brother he called not. All right, we're going to find out in the next section that David had already said Solomon was going to be king. He hadn't, he hadn't proclaimed it, but he had already said amongst the family and his friends that Solomon was going to be the king. Adonijah is the, fifth, the fourth oldest son of David. All right, Amnon was killed by Absalom. Absalom is killed by Joab. <laughs> the one that was between Amnon and Absalom is Chiliab, and we know nothing about him. He was born, and he's never mentioned again, so we believe... Most people believe that he died young, okay? Otherwise, he would have been the one in this place probably making the claim to the throne. I'm second oldest. I deserve to be, be king. Chiliab. C-H-I-L-E-A-B. Of the 21 sons of David, <laughs> these are the ones that are oldest. And... So Adonijah is thinking, I'm the, old, I'm the next oldest. I'm the oldest surviving son. I should be king. Joab, who we know is a traitorous at his own heart, is going because he'd already backed other people in times. But he's also been loyal to David up till, up till this point. Uh, decides he's going to back 
Adonijah. No, he killed Absalom. Yeah, he killed Absalom. Uh, so we people don't really know why or how come Joab is backing him. It may be just that he's saying, you know, why? You know, he might be saying, I don't want to follow Solomon. Solomon's a kid. Now Solomon's way down the list uh, of oldest sons, and it could be that he sees something in Solomon that he says, I can't control Solomon. Okay, there may be something even at that point that he's looking at Solomon and saying, I can't control that man. I've been able to keep David under control, and he's probably saying, I can keep Adonijah under control. And he might be looking at Solomon and saying, we don't know what's going on in his mind, but it could very well be that he's saying, it's one of two things. Adonijah is the next, next oldest son. He deserves to be king. Uh, or he could have something that he sees between the two brothers and says, uh, don't want Solomon. And knowing the political astuteness of Joab, it's probably he sees something in Solomon that he feels he can't control. It might just be simply that Solomon's so young, you know, and not steady. He might not want him in there either for that reason. So we don't know why, but he backs David's oldest, son, oldest living son. Now, the one that really is surprising here is Abathar. Abathar is the priest that wanted, that was the spy during Absalom's time. He was, he was when, when David had to run away, he was the one that wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant with David. And he's now backing uh, Adonijah. And there is absolutely nothing in there to say why. It just says he does. That he's backing up Adonijah. And we don't know how much of this was going on and how much people knew. But David's inner circle knows that Solomon is supposed to be king. And that's what verse 8 tells us. Zadok the priest, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and Nathan the prophet. So here's the, the religious side of the group that are saying, uh, well, no, Solomon, is, they're not included. Shimei and Rei, we have no idea who they are. They're not mentioned anywhere else. We don't know if they're nicknames. Some people have suggested they might be David's brothers. We don't know who they are. There's no reference to them. And the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adonijah. So all of David's inner circle are not, have not even been invited by Adonijah to come and, and support him because David's mighty men, especially if they already know that Solomon is supposed to be king, they're going to, uh-uh. We're not supporting you. And this is an interesting time politically. David is still king. David is not even dead. And Adonijah is putting out a coup against David. Second son of David to put in the, put in the claim to... And it could, be, it could be a very simple one. You know, he's looking to say, Dad's, Dad's uh, bedridden. You know, we, need, we need a king that can go to war. We need a king who can get up on the throne and, and rule. Uh, so he might be doing it for the right reasons, but this is another one of David's kids that are raising up against him. Well, this is kind of an interesting thing on this one. When it says that David had never spoken against him, I mean, did I skip over that? Yeah. Nope, I did. I skipped right over five. Okay, Adonijah gathers, gathers a great big, he, do, he puts a parade on. All right, I admit, totally, I'm sorry about that. 
He, he gets chariots, he gets horsemen, he gets 50 men to run for him. He's putting on a parade to draw attention. And the thing about this, David had not displeased him. There's actually something more important than that. It really indicates that he had not really disciplined him. He had never stood up to Adonijah, which is not uncommon. He didn't do it to Amnon. He didn't do it to, to any of his other boys. So this boy now is in the same boat. Whether he's spoiled or not, we don't know, but he is very indolent. I mean, he's, he's going to do what he wants because he has not been disciplined by his father. Now, we don't know if his mom ever disciplined him. I, we don't know that he was a spoiled, rotten kid. But David did not discipline his kid. He never did anything that made them upset with him. He's kind of like most parents today. These are my kids, my, my, my kids, and I want to be their best friend. I'm not going to discipline them. I'm not going to make them mad at me. We're just going to be buds. David seemed to have that attitude toward his kids. We're just going to be buddies. I, you know, I'm not going to discipline them. I'm not going to correct them. And we see that over and over through his kids. And here they make the same statement. He hadn't done anything to him. And then it says he was also a very goodly man. He was a looker. He was a looker. No, not a good guy. He was a good looker. All right. Absalom, Absalom was a good-looking man. David was considered a good-looking man. Apparently, David has family that is good-looking men. Uh, and that's what it says. This goodly is not, not saying that he was a good man. It was a, he was a handsome. He was, he was the looker. He, he, he drew people's attention because he, was, he, he had good looks. And then we go to verse 7, which I started out. So we have this very good-looking man, undisciplined by David, seeing that his dad is bedridden. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He sees his dad's bedridden and say, we need a king. You know, dad is, dad is in bed. Now, did he know that Solomon was supposed to be king and he's trying to usurp Solomon? This is the bigger deal. And I don't know that he's trying to usurp David in this deal, but he's definitely, I think, trying to usurp Solomon. And he doesn't go to David's inner circle in this move. All right. So I really think he's not, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's trying to usurp David. All right. But he's trying to get to be co-regent uh, co before Solomon gets made co-regent. So I, that's what I see here. I mean, and there's nothing here to tell me that's for true. But I, I have a feeling because he's going he's gonna to make a claim to, that he's following God and everything. But uh, so I think he's trying to usurp Solomon more than he's trying to usurp David. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. There's nothing in here to tell us why he's claiming the throne at the time that he's claiming the throne. All right. But we're going to see there's other people that know what's going on. And it says that Adonijah slew sheep and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zoheleth, and we don't know where that is, but the literal title of Zoheleth is the serpent. So that in the name of the stone that he slew his, <laughs> slew his feast is not speaking well of what's going on. Uh, and he called the, his brethren, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah and the king's servants. So he is having a party. He is having a coronation party. He's in full full swing on a coronation party. He is, he, is, he is slayed the sheep and oxen, which of course is plural, and the fat cattle, which is plural. 
So he is feeding people, he's having a party, he's getting everybody on his side, <clears throat> which is exactly what can happen. If you give people what they want, they come to your side. And so he's getting the people on his side. Sounds a little familiar to Absalom. You know, if, if I was king, I would give you what you wanted, you know, and got all the people on his side and did the same exact thing. You know, came up with this big party and drew everybody and announced that he was king. And then we have a but in verse 10. But Nathan the prophet and Benaiah and the mighty men and Solomon his brother he called not. Nathan is the prophet for David. He's the one that rebuked David when, when, uh, when uh, Bathsheba was first pregnant. So he is David's prophet, basically. He's God's prophet, but he is the prophet to David. And Benaiah is the priest who's still following after, after David. Now, originally, Abathar and Benaiah were both on David's side. They were, they were the priests that took the, wanted to take the altar with him. So we had these guys. What made them separate? We don't know. It could be political and even that, because the, priesthood, the, the high priest thing at this point in time has become a political office, almost, you know, almost. And they're positioning for who gets it. It's not just being handed from the, to the oldest son of the, of the Levi, of, of the, of, uh, the Levi's, uh, Aaron's sons or descendants because it's becoming a big thing. We'll see that even more in Jesus' day. The high priest was a job for one or two years and then it was given to another, another person because there were so many priests that they wanted to share the wealth. And even at this point, by this time, there are hundreds of priests out there. David makes a plan to say, okay, Levi's, we're going to put you in 24 courses and you'll each serve twice a year. And they would serve for two weeks every, uh, 12 courses, uh, two weeks every, uh, twice a year. So they never didn't get to work very often at the temple. So there's lots and lots of Levites, lots and lots of, of priests. And so we see here there's probably some battle going on between them and who's going to be high priest, who's going who's to have it, and they both pick different men to back. Benaiah is going to pick the right one. <laughs> uh, so we see here a group of people not called. The, the loyal priests to David aren't, aren't called to this business because they would have gone straight to David. David's men aren't called because they would have gone to David to find out what was going on. And of course Solomon isn't called, which tells us that, at least in the way I look at it, that Adonijah knew that Solomon was supposed to be king. Because he called all the other brothers. You know, and they were probably the same way. Because how did Joseph's brothers react when he said, you guys are going to bow down to me? Uh, are we going to bow down to you, our, one, our second or youngest brother? Uh-uh, no way, no how. Same thing here, I think, is what I'm seeing. The other brothers are saying, you know, there were 21 of them, four, you know, uh, three of them are dead, at least three of them are dead. So we've got 18 brothers, Solomon's not, you know, so he calls 17 brothers to come and celebrate his coronation. And he ignores Solomon. I believe he knew Solomon was supposed to be king, and I think this is what I'm saying. I believe he's trying to usurp Solomon. Not so much David. I mean, David's kind of the collateral damage in this coronation, but he was trying to usurp Solomon. 
And I have a feeling that David was getting ready to appoint the next heir to the throne because otherwise this whole move wouldn't have happened. The way it happened wouldn't have happened. Uh, and we're going to see David moves real fast here in the next part of this chapter. Verse 11, Wherefore Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Higgith, doth reign, and David our Lord knows it not? Now therefore come, let me, I pray you, give you counsel, that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go and get you in unto David, King David and say to them, did, you, did, you, did not you, my lord, O king, swear unto your handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon shall be, your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then doth Adonijah reign? Behold, while you yet speak with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. So here is a game going on. Uh, we don't see that Nathan has prayed to God. He's not going in to speak boldly as, as from God. He is now playing political games at, at this point. He's playing, he's playing political stage. And it's kind of funny because in our day and age, we think political stage is brand new. It has always gone on. The games of courts have always gone on. So Nathan goes and he goes, talks to Bathsheba and go, hey, do you know that Adonijah is trying to be king? He's called himself king. And this has got to be a little scary to her because what happens when a new king takes over? They usually purge all the other contenders for the crown, which is why it's kind of surprising that Adonijah's brothers are even coming to his party because their lives are, forth are, are on, on the line too. He may, he may have them so under his thumb that he's not worrying about them, which kind of makes me wonder how powerful is Solomon's personality even at this point? He hasn't gone before God and hasn't asked for wisdom. And when he, go, when he goes before God and asks for wisdom, he goes, I'm but a child. I don't know how to reign. But we see everybody kind of nervous about Solomon. <laughs> Wisest. Wisest man. Wisest man. Joab doesn't want him to be king, I think because he, he, he sees something in him that he says, I can't control. His brother's trying to get the better of him. Uh, so I think he was much better and stronger than most people want to say. And as, even according to his testimony, he was being humble, I think, before God. I'm, you know, who am I? You know, I'm just a kid. I don't, I don't, I don't. But we see indications here. I, I really truly believe Joab saw something in him that he wasn't going to be able to control, which is why he backed Adonijah, because now he's going against David. Joab, for the first time, is going against David. All right? And so Nathan comes and says, hey, you know, he's done this, you know, and David doesn't know it yet. Or he's assuming that David doesn't know it, because he knows that David has chosen Solomon. And he goes, now... I'm going to give you counsel that you may save your life and your son's life. Because queen mother and the, and the, and the potential king is going to be, you know, uh, killed. And if word gets out, I mean, if he doesn't kill Solomon, if, it, if he manages to go through the night and not, you know, if he manages to get, gather the power under him, he's going to get rid of Solomon. Because David's men are going to support Solomon. The, the, 
half the priesthood is crying, you know, half the David's, David's prophet's going to sell, you know, uh, side with Solomon. That's going to cause a civil war. We are at a very dangerous place for Israel at this moment. There is a potential civil war brewing. Adonijah is claiming to be king. David has said Solomon is going to be king because there's no disagreement here. Okay. Uh, Bathsheba says, you know, did not tell him, no, he never told me that. All right. She understands that it was told. So he says, okay, Bathsheba, you go in and see David. And you just remind him of your promise. Almost kind of like, okay, he's, 80, he's 70 years old. Kind of remind him what, <laughs> you jog his memory a little bit, uh, Bathsheba. You know, jog his memory that he said your son is going to be king. Uh, so we see that kind of going in. And he says, and when you're in the middle of that, when you're in the middle of that talk with him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in and, and confirm your words that Adonijah has declared himself king. So there's a little bit of playing going on here. And it also makes me wonder sometimes about David's mental condition at this point in his life. 70 years old, has he forgotten things? He's, he's cold. And they're jogging his memory about his promise to, to Bathsheba because apparently we see that David loved many women and he had many wives that he fell in love with or probably lust. But it seems like with Bathsheba, he really did have a love relationship with her. You know, your son will be king, you know, and, and he comforted her and all these different things. And the rest of them, we don't see that kind of language being used about them. Now, was it because nothing happened or because the writings didn't include them because they weren't important to the story? We don't know, but he definitely seems to have a love for Bathsheba and Nathan's going to take advantage of that. Bathsheba, you go in and remind him. He loves you, and he doesn't say that. He loves you, and you, when you stand before him, he's going to, he's going to remember, and he's going to, he's going to go through and, and take that, uh, remember his words. Verse 15, And Bathsheba went into, into the king, into the chamber, and the king was very old. And Abishai, the Shulamite, ministered unto the king. And Bathsheba bowed and did obsience unto the king. And the king said, What would you? And she said unto him, My lord, you swore by the Lord your God unto your handmaiden, saying, sure, Assuredly, Solomon, my, your son, will reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. And now, behold, Adonijah reigns, and now, my lord, the king, you knew it not. He has slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and hath called to the sons of the king, and to Abathar the priest, and to Joab the captain of, your, of the host. But Solomon, your servant, hath he not called? And you, my lord, O king, the eyes of Israel are upon you, that you should tell them who shall sit on your throne, on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise it shall come to pass when my lord the king shall sleep with his fathers that I and my son Solomon shall be counted offenders. All right, so she's gone in saying the very words that Nathan told her to say. Uh, David... <laughs> uh, didn't you say, and she bowed down to, you know, she bows down to him, uh, and he looks at her, and he goes, what do you want? In, in plain, simple terms, you know, what would you, what, what do you want? Uh, and she says, you know, you swore by the, you know, you swore by the Lord your God unto, unto me that Solomon is going to be, your son is going to reign after you. Kind of just reminding him gently of his promise, you know, and God does that to us all the time in the word of God. He keeps remembering, he says, remember, and reminds us what he told us. So she's in there telling him that, you know, you said Solomon is going to reign. And she goes, 
and now Adonijah reigns. Now this is going to be a shock to David because he didn't tell Adonijah to be king. He's been just hanging out in his bed, in his bedchamber, looking at Abishai, <laughs> you know, and whatever else he was doing. And all of a sudden he's told, your son, your son Adonijah is reigning. Okay. And then she goes, and you know it not. Kind of a little dagger in there. Uh, what is this, David? You're, you're so out of touch, you don't even know what's going on in your kingdom. Trying to make a point to him, I think, that it's time for him to make the official announcement of who's going to reign after him. All right. Uh, and he, she goes on. He's, he's slain all these animals. He's having a great big party. He's called all the... He's called all the, the people to him. He's, he's got Abathar, the priest, and Joab, the captain of the host, on his side. And, you know, by the way, David, he didn't, he didn't invite Solomon. Now, I don't know why she put that one in there. Maybe she's trying to say that Solomon knows nothing about this as well. Uh, and then she goes on to the next point. All the eyes of Israel are on you. You need to tell them who you want to be the next king. All right? And we see this oftentimes even in our modern age when a king or a queen, it's been a while since it's happened, but a king or a queen gets old, and all of a sudden the eyes, not just of their own nation, but the whole world is on them. Who's going to be the next king or queen? or you know, Who's going to be the next ruler of your land? Normally it's the eldest so Adonijah might be making a great claim. You know, hey, I'm the oldest. I deserve to be king. You know, I know David's been talking to us about Solomon being king, but I'm, I'm, the, I'm the eldest. I deserve, deserve it. And he's getting a whole bunch of people on his side because that's usually what you expect. All right? Some countries have very strict rules for who's going to be king. Israel only has had two kings. First one's dead. <laughs> And all of his kids are dead. David was the first king who's going to be king at his, at his death. And he's got to find some way to figure out who takes over. Are we going to be like most of the nations, the oldest boy, or am I going to pick? And apparently in Chronicles, God told him, your son Solomon. So he's going to pick Solomon. So here we have this whole process going out. Now we have Abinijah not just going against David and King Solomon, he's also going against God. Not unusual in this, in this nation, but, uh, but he's now going against God. And then she goes even further, go, everybody's looking at you, and if he goes, if you don't speak soon, it won't be who you want. And by the way, if he becomes king, I and Solomon are going to be killed. All right? Pretty big deal. Especially if David is what I think in love with, you know, still in love with her. Okay, we don't know how much younger that she is, you know, but she's saying, you know, hey, by the way, if he becomes king, the one you said is going to be king and me, <laughs> you know, we're both going to be dead. This is going to jog David into activity. He's going to get busy trying to, starting to make decisions. All right. Verse 22, and lo, while she spoke, while she yet talked with the king, Nathan the prophet came in. And they told the king, Behold, Nathan the prophet. And when he was come in before the king, he bound himself before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, O oh my, oh, uh, my lord, O king, have, 
Have you said, Adonijah shall reign after me, and, and he shall sit upon my throne? For he has gone down this day, and have slain oxen and fat cattle, and sheep in abundance, and have called all the king's sons and the captains of the host, and Ad Ad Abathar the priest. And behold, he eat, they eat and drink with before him, and say, God save King Adonai, Adonai, Adonijah. But me, even me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon, hath he not called. Is this thing done by my lord the king, and you have not showed it to your servant, who should sit with, upon the throne of the lord the king after him? So Nathan comes in, does just what he says. <laughs> he knocks, gets announced. And goes, David, I'm confused. You know, Adonijah is, is uh, reigning. Did you say so? Right? I like in one sense what he's doing. He's coming in showing respect to David. Now, maybe David, maybe David did change his mind you know, without telling all of his inner circle. And he's coming in. David, did, uh, you know, this is going on. Is, is this what you want? It's kind of a nice way to be able to say something's not going on, but you know, I just want to give you respect on the title. I've done this in several times when I've gone to a pastor and said, this is what I thought I'd heard. Now, I was pretty sure I heard right, but I wasn't going to make the attack because I knew maybe they didn't mean what I thought I heard. Maybe they didn't mean what I heard. And oftentimes they go, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Did I really say that? And I go, well, that's what I heard. That's what I thought I heard. So here Nathan's playing that same kind of game. David, uh, Adonijah has you know, crowned himself king. Is, did, did, you, did you tell him to go do that? You know, maybe, maybe David got, just woke up that morning with a crazy idea and said, Adonijah, go make yourself king. And they're just, you, know, you bypassed all the normal counsel. He's saying that. He knows it didn't happen. But he's taking a very gentle approach because he could have gone, David, what do you think is going on? Adonijah has claimed himself king, but he's being very respectful. Adonijah has claimed himself to be king. David, did, did you authorize this? You know, so he's being more gentle. Bathsheba's being a little more, she's the, she's the wife. You know, uh, you, promi you promised me my son was going to reign. What's going on here? Nathan, the priest, the prophet, excuse me, is coming in a little softer. He knows it hasn't happened. He knows it's what's going on. He knows there's a, a coup going on. But he's taking it a much gentle, gentler approach. And he just says, my king, the, the Lord has said, Adonijah reigns, shall reign. Have you said that Adonijah shall reign after me? Because he's having a party down there and he's invited all this long list of people again, the, you know, the captains and, and Abathar the priest. And, they, and I kind of, and they're saying, God save the king, King Adonijah. So he's saying, he's making a point that Adonijah has already claimed to be king, and David, you're not there to pass the crown to him. You, you have not made it clear. And then he puts in this little thing in verse 26. But me, even your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaiah the, the son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon, hath he not called? David, uh, he's, he's saying he's king, and he's, you know, if you, if you said he's supposed to do it, he didn't invite us to the party. So again, he's putting a little bit of a, uh, we're kind of wounded here, David. If he's doing this under your authority, we should have been invited and known that this was going on. And then he goes, is this thing done by my Lord, the king, that you have, uh, that, and you have not shown it to us, that who should sit on your throne? 
Okay, so in other words, he's going in very gently. Uh, by the way, David, you know, I wasn't invited. The, you know, your, your other Zadok, the, the priest that you trust, and your, your son who you said was going to be king weren't invited to this party. Did you make those decisions for this thing, this thing to happen? It's kind of an interesting place. They're putting David on the spot to make a decision and make a hard decision because he's never disciplined Adonijah, it said, which I, I don't think he disciplined any of his kids. <laughs> he was too busy a man to discipline his kids. He was too busy at war. And I think he was one of those that, like many fathers who are too busy with their kids, they, they uh, indulge them. You know, oh, well, yeah, kids will be kids. Boys will be boys. Here, have a gift. You know, you'll be okay. <laughs> and so we see this whole political intrigue coming up. Verse 28. Then King David answered and said, call me Bathsheba. So apparently Bathsheba stepped out when Nathan came in because that would have been the normal, the normal event. His counselor has come in, the wife and, the, and everybody else would leave. So he says, call me Bathsheba. And she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore and said, as the Lord lives that hath redeemed my soul out of all, my, all distresses, even as I swore unto you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne in my stead, even so will I certainly do this day. David is ready to set up a civil war. And Bathsheba bowed her face to the earth and did reverence to the king and said, Let the Lord King David live forever. Kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, David, you live forever. My son will never reign. <laughs> uh, I've always thought that, that, that statement was dumb. But <laughs> uh, so David calls and he reiterates to Bathsheba, his promise that Solomon is going to reign. All right? God has told him he's going to make it happen. And he, he reiterates it. And it says, I will certainly do it. Is David thinking clearly at this point to realize that he's setting up a potential civil war? You know, he already has one who's claiming to be king. David's going to send out Solomon and say, I have made him king. He's going to make the announcement that Solomon is king. Adonijah is already having a party and a feast with people. He's celebrating his coronation. This is a dangerous place. Joab has sided with Adonijah. He has control of the army. Solomon is going to have David's inner circle and 600 men who are old. <laughs> They're not young, young guys. They're, Joab's old as well. But Joab remembers an entire generation below David. He is David's nephew. So he's a good 20 years old. But even, so even though he's old, he's still 60-ish. Uh, but he's in command of the army. This is a dangerous place in a moment. David's inner circle of men are 60 years up. They've been running with him all their lives. The 40 years he's been reigning plus, and you know that they had to be in their teens at the earliest. So his youngest mighty man is going to be in his mid-50s. All right? This is Solomon's guard if it comes down to war. David's mighty men, a bunch of men at 50, 50 and over, and a castle against potentially the entire army if it was to go that route. This is a very interesting place. This is the place where the movie gets all exciting. 
you know, the, the minority is going to rebel against the majority <laughs> and the stage is set. How is this going to, how is this going to turn? And so we look here at verse 32. And David said, call me Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet. So both of the, Nathan apparently had stepped out when Bathsheba came in. This is kind of an interesting thing. Every time somebody comes in, somebody else leaves. All right. And Beniah the son of Jehoiada, and they came before the king. And the king said unto them, take with you the servants of your Lord and cause Solomon my son to ride upon my own mule and bring him down to Gilhan and let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel and blow the trumpets and say, God save King Solomon. And you, then you shall come up after him and, and he may come and sit upon my throne for he shall be king in my stead. I have appointed him to be ruler of Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king and said, Amen. The Lord God of my king, the king, say, say so too. And the Lord ha hath been with my king, as the Lord hath been with my king, Lord, my lord the king, even so will he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my lord king David. So Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada and the Seraphites and the Belahites went down and caused Solomon to ride upon the, the king, king David's mule and brought him to Gilhan. And Zadok the priest took a horn of oil out of the tabernacle and anointed Solomon. And they blew the trumpet and said, God save King Solomon. <laughs> and all the people came up after him and the people piped with pipes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth rent with the sound of them. All right, so we have an interesting development here. David calls his inner circle from the, from the priesthood and the prophets and says, go anoint Solomon. So they take Solomon, put him on the king's horse, on the king's mule, dress him up, anoint him, and put him on the throne of David, David's, on uh, King, king David's throne. And then they blow the trumpets and say, God, uh, God save King Solomon. So here we have, wherever Gilhan is, we don't know exactly where it is. We have trumpets being blown saying, God save King Solomon. Over on the west side, we have a big party going on and trumpets being blown and people saying, God save King Adonijah. We have an interesting event going on here. We have two men that are king for a moment, or at least think that one thinks he's a king and knows that he's not. The other knows that he's king, but he has a smaller group at the start because all the parties going on over here, the first party's got the big, big crowd going on. Uh, and they blow it, and it says, all the people came up after him. Now, all does not mean every single person in all of Israel, but he's getting a large group of following coming after him. I think some of them left Adonijah's party. I really do believe that the general word out was that Solomon was going to be king. Because it seems like everybody knows this. Adonijah doesn't seem to know it, or he's, or, or he's in rebellion, which I think he is in rebellion. Joab, I'm sure, knows it. And like I say, I just think he saw something in Solomon that he just felt he couldn't control. 
and said, I want, I want the fourth, I want the fourth, I can make a case. This guy's supposed to be king. I can't control Solomon, I can control this guy. I want him to be king. All right, and that's what I think is happening with Joab. Uh, so we see here the people, and I almost see what you said. A bunch of the party going, oh, there's another, oh, Solomon, oh, see, ya. <laughs> see you later, Adonijah, we're going to go see Solomon. And it does say all, and, and Adonijah is going to end up with uh, some uh, interesting things going on because he's going to beg for mercy. All right, so he knows, he knows the jig is up when this is happening. He hasn't had time to solidify his kingdom. He's having this party. He's trying to get people on his side, but they're not quite there yet. Their loyalty is still with David, and now they're going to find out David is picked, because I'm sure that's also what's going on in here. The, the word is leaked out. David has selected Solomon. You know, and news travels fast. Even in this party world and everything, world would have been traveling very fast. Uh, Adonijah may think he's king, but David has just said Solomon is king. King David said Solomon is king. Adonijah has not said that David said he's king. <laughs> All right. They might have thought that he had it first. Well, he obviously had to have been named king. You know, David and people are thinking David changed his mind, you know, sometime last night or in the middle of the day because Adonijah is claiming to be king. It could be just the right paid party people coming in. It could be all of Adonijah's friends that came and supported him. But all of a sudden, David, said, David speaks. <laughs> and David says, Solomon's going to be king. And the word spreads from the castle very quickly, from the palace very quickly, Solomon is king. King David says, Solomon is king. And all of a sudden, Solomon gets the attention. And he's sitting on David's throne. And all the inner circle of David saying, David said he's the king. <laughs> and the word is spreading out. It, the gossip flew. <laughs> And the bulk of the people supported Solomon. Verse 41. And Adonijah and all the guests that were with him heard it as they had made the end of eating. And when Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Wherefore is this noise of the city being in an uproar? Okay, because we talked before. They're, they're making so much noise that the city is ringing. It says that the ground is renting, and I think it just means that the sound is bouncing off everything. It is. We, Adonijah thought he was having a party. <laughs> we have a party going on, at least a noisy party going on. And it's big enough that it's overriding the party of Adonijah. And Joab's hearing it and going, what is this uproar? You know, what's going on in the city? But I think he was also listening for it. Okay, he knows they're going against David. What's going to happen when David does find out? I think Joab is kind of waiting for that. He's waiting for that sound, and he's hearing an uproar. He's expecting battle. Okay, he's expecting David to send out his bodyguard, his, his, his contingent. Joab's a soldier. He knows what he's doing is wrong. I think he's listening for this sound, and all of a sudden he's hearing the trumpets. He's hearing this noise in the, in the city going on and he's going is this the war that I was expecting what exactly is going on that's what I think he's he's hearing he's he's a soldier and while he yet spoke behold Jonathan the son of Abathar the priest came 
And Adonijah said unto him, Come in, for you are a valiant man, and bring good tidings. <laughs> and Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, Verily our Lord King David hath made Solomon king. <laughs> okay, he know, he's got the right statement. Uh, by the way, Adonijah, you may have claimed it, but King David said that Solomon is king. You're, you're out of luck at the moment. <laughs> you're, you're in a big mess. <laughs> you're in a world of hurt. And Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, Verily, oops, I said that. And the, king, and the king has sent with him Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the, and the Sherelites, and the Pelethites, and they have caused him to ride on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest, and Nathan the prophet, have anointed him king in Gihon. And they are come up from you from there rejoicing, and the city rang, rang again. And this is the noise that you have heard. And also, Solomon sits on the throne of the kingdom. <laughs> all right? If it wasn't enough that all of this has happened, he's sitting on David's throne. You're over here having a party that you've been coronated, and Solomon is on the throne. Uh, and moreover, the king's servants came to bless our Lord King David, saying, God made... God make the name of Solomon better than your name and make his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself in his bed. So David even bowed as best he could within his bed to these words that Solomon was going to have a kingdom and the people were saying, let his kingdom be better than mine. So as a good father, he's saying, yes, hope my son does better. All right. And also thus saith the king, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which hath given one of one to sit on my throne this day, mine eyes have even seen it. And all the guests that were with Adonijah were afraid and ro rose up, and everyone went his way. <laughs> it ended Adonijah's party very quickly. All right? His party ended in a second. I think the people didn't want to be seen either. Oh, they didn't know because now they're, now they're potentially traitors. It was one thing to believe, to make believe that Adonijah was doing this under David's, David's authority and maybe David had died and he was doing this, whatever. But when King David has said that something is going to happen, you're right. They don't want to be seen with Adonijah. They don't want to be seen anywhere near Adonijah. Because if I hang out with him, now I'm going to be accused of being a traitor. I'm supporting the wrong king. And we never heard about it, but when Absalom raised up and when all these different people raised up, there was probably some repercussions for the people that supported them. Right? We see this here. These guys, uh, whoops, we're, we're, we're at the wrong party. <laughs> and they disappeared. And uh, let's see. Every man went his own way. Verse 50. And Adonijah feared because of Solomon and arose and went and caught hold of the horns of the altar. This is a very telling thing. This statement alone tells me that Solomon is more powerful than he wants to let on when he goes before God and saying, I'm just a child, I can't rule these people. Because even Adonijah has now got a fear for him. Fear of him. He's got, as far as we know, he still has Joab kind of on his side. Joab may have took off too. Uh, nope, don't want to be part of this, but he's already been named part of it. And he went, goes to the temple and he grabs hold of the altar. No, no, there's no temple, excuse me. He goes to the tabernacle, grabs hold of the horns on the altar. And if you go back into uh, the book of Ex uh, Exodus, you'll see that the 
horns were on the four corners of the altar. And somehow it came out that if you held on to the altar, you were, you were begging for your life and nobody could touch you. Okay, now there's nothing in the scriptures that talk about that being the case, uh, as far as God said, but it became the, the way of doing it. I'm, I'm begging God for mercy, is basically what they're saying. I'm coming to God's altar, begging for mercy. So he went in and he says, I'm going to hold on to these. He can't touch me while I'm holding on to the altar. All right. Now we're going to find another guy later on in the word of God. I can't remember who it was, but he hangs on and the king says, go kill him. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, this time they're going to honor the, he's going to honor the, the uh, beseeching of it. Okay. And it was told Solomon in verse 51, behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon for lo, he has caught hold of the horns of the altar saying, let King Solomon swear unto me today that he will not slay his servant with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, there shall not a hair of him fall to the earth. But if wickedness be found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar, and he came and bowed himself to King Solomon. And Solomon said unto him, Go to your home. All right? So he begs King Solomon, uh, Promise you're not going to kill me. And it's very interesting that Solomon, even at this point, is showing wisdom. He says, if he will show himself a worthy or honorable man, I will not kill him. But if, there be, if wickedness be found in him, he shall die. All right, we're going to see later that wickedness was found in him and he's executed. All right. And then the king sent down to him and he came and bowed himself to King Solomon. So he's bowing himself down to his little brother. And Solomon says, go home. Go to your home. So we see here all of these things. And this is, when we, when we think about this, God says that all things work together for good. And this brought everybody into the right plan, right path. Joab's going to be a little bit more humbled. He, he's backed the wrong horse. And he's not going to have the respect David already never, didn't trust him completely, and he's not going to have the respect. All the brothers have now been taken care of. The King David has said, this is who's king. And there's no place in there that really tells us that, Ab that Solomon ever purged his brothers. Now, whether he did or not, we don't know, but he never, we're never told that he did. Because God made him king, and he was just happy to be king and let God deal with his brothers. Again, let God be our defense. And this is what's going on. David could have said, well, all right, all right, mighty men, you go get, you get, you go get Adonijah and take care of him. But David just said, I'm going to raise up the man I want and God will work it out. And I love the fact that David just let God work this out because that's not David's personality. Now, he is 70 years old and can't go out riding on his own. Yeah, yeah, he, he let his family do anything. Yeah. This one he's not really letting get away with it. You know, he said, but he didn't go kill him. But, you know, and he would have had every right to. Okay, he knew, he knew I was raising Solomon up. You go, you guys go get him. And he yet didn't do that, which is outside of his personality in this kind of a situation. I mean, this is a big deal. His kingdom is at threat here uh, in spite of everything, and he can't run. At 70 years old, he can't run. Yeah, he, ran. he ran from Absalom and just let it happen. 
Here he just puts the right king in place and says, okay, let's see what's going to happen. God, who have you got in place? And this is something that's important for us to keep in mind so often is we need to let God fight our battles and just say, God, it's up to you. You know, if you want me to be where you want, I'm sure this is where you want me to be, but if this is where you want me to be, you go out and fight my battle. And just honor God and just let God be our defense. And this is what David is doing in this situation. He's gone back to being who he, how he got there in the first place. God, you're my defense. And saying, okay, Solomon, you're now king. And this was a dangerous place because Joab's on the side of Ab, Ad, Ad, Adonijah, uh, so we have a potential battle going on. If Joab decides, I'm going to side with Ad- Adonijah and I'm going to try to raise up the people, there could be a civil war. The good news is God smote the heart of the people and they all walked away when David, was, David declared who was going to be king. That was a dangerous spot in this whole, whole story. If they had sided with the original one that they had backed, we could have had a big civil war going on at this moment. Two brothers of David, uh, sons of David, rising up to battle on who's going to be king. But the people abandoned him. That shows you how much they loved David. David was the great king of Israel. Uh, he was you know, the one that they look up to. He was reigned during their golden, between him and Solomon, they reigned, they reigned during the golden age of Israel. And the people love David enough that when, they, when he spoke, they're going, okay, sorry, Adonijah, we're, we, we were really happy with your coronation party, but we're going over here and celebrating this coronation that the king has said is going to be the real one. And this is just listening because David in this place is standing in God's place and people are going, okay, God has spoken, we're going to follow. This is what we are expected to do. When God speaks, we're to be obedient. And too many times we tend not to be obedient. Uh, and we're over there in Adonijah's camp, uh, you know, battling against him. So we're going to end there. A little bit of history, a lot of, a lot of political intrigue going on. Uh, a lot of things going on right there. Better than a soap opera, better than any movie that you could have watched. <laughs> Yeah, you get half the city doing one thing, half the city doing another, and who's going who's gonna to win? It would really make an interesting movie if they did it right. They would add so much to it, it would be a worthless movie. But it, you know, the story in itself is an exciting story when you really look at what's going on and the political intrigue going on and all the battle that's going on. Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for how much you, you love and care for us. Lord, help us always to listen to you and follow you and and be ready to let you fight our battles. And we just thank you in Jesus' name, amen.